Hey gang, Sean Geek here. And Fast Fred. And we have two storefronts. If you are a T Public fan, you can browse our inventory over at T Public, which is tpublic.com forward slash Sean Geek Podcast. Or redbubble.com slash people slash Sean Geek Podcast. You can get anything from either storefront from t-shirts, stickers, phone cases, accessories of all kinds. We're talking masks, notebooks, mugs, pillows, totes, tapestries. Oh my. Oh my. <laughs> Everything's there. Just go to those addresses. Also check the show notes and help support the show. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. Uh, welcome to the Shine Shine Geek. <laughs> the Shine Geek and Fast Fret podcast. Done. Well done. Okay, we're gonna use that. <laughs> Good morning. It is I, Sean Geek, and this is an episode of Music That Broke. How are you doing this morning? How is everybody out there? I am a musician. I've released two albums. I write music. I've been in a number of bands, a multitude of bands. Um, I've written over a hundred songs. I play multiple instruments and I love music, but as much as I love writing music and playing music, and performing music, my true love is listening to music. That started a long time ago in an episode we'll get to at some point. But what I did want to say was these breaking episodes are all about the music that formed my own writing style, my own performing style, and deeply influenced how I play my drums, how I deliver my vocal, how I write my music. So... In today's episode, we are going to cover Louder Than Love by Soundgarden, one of the most influential albums of my entire life. Are you ready to dig, to dig into this? This is the lead single. I think it is. One of the singles.
saw the video on Much Music. And I was head on, head on into metal at the time. And by metal, I don't mean the good stuff. I mean, maybe the not so good stuff. I was listening to all the hair metal at the time. I was, you know, I was groomed on Kiss, which we'll do an episode on at some point. Fully groomed on Kiss. I'd come off of ABBA into Kiss. And then from Kiss, I went into, you know, all the things that were like that. The Motley Crues, the Def Leppards. Um, I didn't like yet. I didn't like Iron Maiden. I didn't like Judas Priest. I didn't like those things. And Metallica was, was there was no way I would have ever heard Metallica at that point. Rat, you know, bands like that. Those were the things I was into. But there was starting to become a gloss to all this stuff. There was starting to become a boringness to all this stuff. And I was starting to, it was starting to lose its shine. It's starting to lose its appeal. So I, I was starting to, by this point in around 1989, 1990, I was just starting to want to go somewhere else i was so i i found maiden and i'm like i do like maiden i do like it's heavier it, it, it's better the, the the technical side of it is much better but the technical side of metal i didn't quite enjoy as much for certain reasons i wanted to be a rock star i wanted to be a musician i wanted to be playing i wanted to be I didn't want, I wanted to figure out how to get this done. I wanted to figure out how I could be a better musician. And I wanted to figure out how I could write better songs. Cause I written a few songs by that point, none of which were any good, but I wanted to just change how I was doing things. For some reason, I see the louder than love video not Louder Than Love, sorry, Loud Love by Soundgarden. And it gets played on um, one of the much music heavy metal shows. I can't remember which one it was at the time, Metal 30 or or whatever. And this was before the attack of grunge on the world. This was Soundgarden. This was the band out of the gate that I see. And I'm confused as hell. The lighting is different. The people look different. It's not a bunch of blonde guys with long, long hair. Chris Cornell is stripped down at the waist. He's wearing these large boots. He's got this big hair. And he's stomping and he's not really showing his face. He's just more down and dirty and getting into the song. And that opening intro, just the, I don't know, out of pitch. Is that the right word? The music just seems totally out of pitch. You know the one, the one we just played. And just that riff, that... I was transfixed. I didn't like it, but it had my attention. And I didn't know what to make of it. And and just the visual landscape of the video, completely different. 
this wasn't you know some hot thing writhing on a on a on a car this was four dudes that wanted to say something and wanted you know and then in very short succession they played this song as well they had a video for this one as well and this is when i turned
so that one-two punch of those two music videos was enough. I was stunned by the visuals. I was stunned by the music. I loved the drumming so hard. The drumming was so amazing. The the interesting time signatures that were going on. This is this is when I learned how to play alternate time signatures. It was literally from this album. But what ended up happening is I did find find a version. I did find the cassette. I did take it home. I did put it into my ghetto blaster and I did listen to it a lot. A lot. The timing of this album too also coincided with a different time in my life. I had moved away from home, which was in New Brunswick. And I'd moved to Winnipeg. And my move to Winnipeg was um, not a good one. Moved in um, 87. And I had two years of high school here. And I didn't have any friends. I didn't know anybody. I retreated further into my music and that's all I listened to. And I made multiple attempts to make friends here. And I didn't ex succeed very well. And then in 89, the summer of 89, I moved away and I moved to Montreal. And it was in Montreal that I, that I really learned about myself. I had started playing drums in Winnipeg. This is, you know, this is when I was, I really started playing drums and I was just playing a lot of standard stuff. I was playing some kiss course and I was playing, you know, um, Tommy Lee stuff and Def Leppard stuff. I mean, it was all simple, fairly simple stuff. Just learning how to play this sort of stuff. And that's how I got my, my, my start. But by this point, by the time I moved away from here, and moved to Montreal, I was willing to challenge myself. And the timing of the release of this album coincided very well with the timing of my uh, my drum apprenticeship with Matt Cameron. What, an, what a phenomenal drummer. Still possibly my favorite drummer. Um, there's things that he does that are complicated, but there's things in the way he does it that I could do. And I really enjoyed, especially off this album. I, I, I drummed along to this album endlessly. Quite enjoyed it. But I, but this is where I was learning to feel the music, you know, cause when, sometimes when you start playing, you, you maybe you're playing a bit by feel, but there's, there's a math to it there's a one two three four one two three four and matt cameron didn't play those games he played a different thing altogether and his timing you know one two three four five one two three four five six seven eight nine one two three four five one just crazy just crazy time signatures and this is where I learned how to expand my repertoire, to try different things, to to go in different directions in a song. 
and the songs I wrote around this time um, were very interesting, very different, and they weren't always following standard 4-4 time. They were all over the place. Based off the strength of this album, because this album pretty much came out the year that I moved away to Montreal. And um, I don't think I was able to really find the album until I moved to Montreal. In Montreal, it's just a much bigger city than Winnipeg. It's a much more alternative city. And by alternative, I don't necessarily mean music, but I mean everything was alternative there. Fashion, um, the, the nightlife, everything was alternative. Everything was an alternative to the, to the norm. Everything was out there. Everything was big. Everything was different. Um, it was just so cool. And, and it awakened in me an ability to dress different, an ability to be different. I had long hair moving to Montreal because I always wanted long hair. And I think in some ways that's what helped separate me when I was in Winnipeg. I wasn't cool enough for the long-haired folk. And I was uncool to the short-haired folk. And I kind of didn't fit into either group in Winnipeg because it was one group was A and one group was B and there was no gray in between when I lived here. But when I moved to Montreal, I cut my hair really short because I just wanted something different. And the perception of people on me was, oh, okay. You know, he had long hair and he cut it short. It was, it was, it was weird because I was making my own image at the time. I was kind of figuring my own way to dress. But I think also the fact in Montreal, the fact that I was a musician and then I played music when people found I played music, I suddenly became more interesting. And I didn't want to just be saying, yeah, I listen to, you know, Poison and I listened to Motley Crue and I, I, I was, they were becoming passe by that point. I mean, hair metal broke what? 83, 84, 85, 86, you know, it was really, really big in those times. And there was a sense of change on the horizon, but it wasn't, it hadn't, there wasn't, there was nothing big that happened, but there was a lot of smaller things that happened a lot of changes, a lot of the world is, 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 is ready for a change and Montreal being as ahead of the times as they always were, they were starting to like the, the music I was hearing while I was in Montreal, the, the what people were listening to when, you know, when you go to a bar or a pub, it wasn't the same thing that was playing everywhere else. They always seemed to be a year, two years ahead of the curve. And, being there at that time in my life, Soundgarden was an un, there was a, a swell of love for Soundgarden, just as there was for the Pixies, just as there was for the Jesus and Mary Chain. All this music that was left of center, that was different and edgy, and had their own sound, and they weren't emulating someone else. They were just being themselves, and and if the recording was a little dirty or a little muddy or little punk. That's what was cool at the time. So 
when I get the album, of course, the first two songs I want to hear is Loud Love and Hands All Over. Because, I mean, hey, those were the videos that I saw, Much Music. Those were the ones I wanted to uncover. But then I uncovered this song called Uncovered.
the use of harmonics, the lower register of Chris Cornell in this one, the freakish time signature. I could sing along to this one. And as I was discovering my voice as a vocalist, I was really trying different things. And this was the song where, hey, this guy's a, a phenomenal singer and he's doing a lot of different things. But I was able to emulate some of these things that he was doing. I was able to I was able to to to, to hit that low register. And it was at that point that I realized I had this really, really deep voice. And when Cornell hits those deeper sides of his register, there's just this growl to it, you know. It was just sinister in some ways. It was conversational, this one. And this was, I think this is the first song I discovered outside of the two singles. And I'm like, this, this is not, <laughs> this isn't Vince Neil shrieking at the height of his powers you know this wasn't anything like that this was just so different it was so you know strangely enough the song uncovered it just it uncovered a lot for me it opened up a lot for me and it was really the third song here that i started grooving to and and listening to and then also during this point i was also realizing with the beat on here i was able to sing along while i was drumming and that's probably pretty much the point where I was starting to sing and drum at the same time, because in my mind, I didn't know any other musicians. I was the only musician in my circle in Montreal. Nobody I knew played music. Nobody I knew wrote music. I was, I was alone in that regard. And I'm like, I started to formulate the idea that, you know what, like I'm never going to find somebody to play with. I'm going to have to start being really, really different. I'm going to have to play and sing at the same time. But I really started to develop my voice at this point. And I, I put together three albums during this period, which is really, really insane because I moved in 89, literally the, the day after graduation and moved here to, or moved to Montreal. And I took a train with all with the, all my possessions and I stayed out there. And I moved back in the winter of 1991. I wasn't there for very long at all. I worked, got a job, wrote music. And in that span of time, that short span of time, I recorded three albums worth of music. Now, this wasn't recorded using a four track or anything fancy at the time because, hey, I didn't have anything fancy at the time. I was do-it-yourself mode and I did three albums of vocals and drums and that's it and on it I was really stretching my voice I was really learning how to sing and how to sing different things and not just sounding like Gene Simmons off a Kiss record I was learning to find my voice and this is the song that kind of gave me the confidence okay I can I don't have to just sing in the one voice that you hear on the radio and on much music, I can start singing to these other bands that are starting to leak into the power hour or the metal 30 or power 30 or whatever the shows were. 
because they were allowing little like bands like Soundgarden to to jump in that didn't fit the norms. And I was starting to see if a few things leak into actually is, you know what, to be honest, I think it might not have been on much music. It might've been on the French much music, which was called music plus. And, um, that, that channel was very, it was breaking stuff for me all the time. Now there's a couple of songs on louder than love that I don't like. I don't listen to, I have no interest in. Well, at the time, um, there was a song called Big Dumb Sex, which is basically mock mocking like a full mock of 80s hair metal. Hey, I like the song. I'm not going to say it's a bad song, but it was almost like the song was done. It was done mockingly, but I think the song became popular and some people just didn't get the joke. But I was more interested in other songs on here. Um, Get on the Snake kind of fit within the heavy metal genre at the time. But it was a song like Power Trip, which was very influential on me. And I actually wrote my own song called Power Trip. Yeah, very original, isn't it? But it had, it had a different vibe and lyrically this is where I started getting away from the 80s hair metal lyrics that I was doing without even knowing what the hell I was doing. I mean, I was writing lyrics to be just like Motley Crue and coming up with lyrics that were like rat and, and that sort of thing. And really, they were just dirty lyrics, but I didn't know anything about being dirty yet. I was still a kid. But power trip, holy shitballs. song was incredibly influential i mean just the the, the tone the, the the slow dredge of it and the thing you got to keep in mind at this point i hadn't really heard black sabbath yeah they played a couple songs on power hour but i wasn't really familiar with black sabbath and i know they were fans of black sabbath like the slow heavy riffing of black sabbath but i wasn't familiar with them this this was my black sabbath Honestly, this was my black Sabbath. Yeah, that that fully describes me hitting this. I never heard anything like this. 
and I just dug and dug and dug on this album. And it changed me forever. It broke this guy here. It just broke me. And I think it was the advent of this album where I just started giving up on hair metal altogether. And I was specifically looking for certain things in my music that weren't just full on Kevin's mom. And that were more full on musical experience and gravitas. There's a lot of great songs on this album. I, uh, I know it front to back. I know it really well. It's just phenomenal. And it really changed the way I, I, I viewed things. Now, some people may say, well, wait, hang on a second. Is this your favorite Soundgarden album? Hmm. I don't know if it's my favorite Soundgarden album. I do love them all. I do listen to them all. I do go back to this one. But I think Super Unknown was the one that did it for me. But the reason I wanted to cover this album, because everybody knows Super Unknown. Everybody loves Black Hole Sun. But for me, this was the one that lit the switch, like hit the switch, lit the fire under me. And I this is this this is the album that brought me onto Soundgarden. And when the the next album after this came out, Bad Motorfinger. I bought it the weekend it was out. I went and picked it up. I was very excited to hear it. And I enjoyed it. And then, you know, straight onto there to Super Unknown. And, and then I went back. It was after Bad Motorfinger and with how great it was and how powerful it was that I went back and dipped into the catalog and found a record store where I could actually find the previous releases and I picked up FOP and Ultra Mega OK. And holy God, like there was a revolution for me vocally, drum wise. It was just phenomenal. Like it, it just, it just really, really changed me. And that my folks is the episode breaking Sean or breaking music or i don't know what to call this i don't know what you guys want to call this but i think it, it, it's good to highlight the less obvious things the people that you the songs that you may not have heard from the bands you want to hear or bands that may have broke you but they broke you out on a different album because i know for a lot of people super unknown is what broke them on soundgarden or bad motorfinger it wasn't this album this was before everything broke them but this is the one that broke me and this is the one that made me a fan. And this is the reason I'm still a fan. And I like everything that they put out. Everything. It's one of those rare bands where there isn't an album that I just really, really don't like. I, I like everything they put out. And strangely enough, just to, just to point out, one of, the, one of the songs that's not on this album, which I think was uh, later uh, re-added to the album, was a song called Heretic which is on the pump of the volume soundtrack, which we've already done an episode on pump of the volume and how important that album, that movie was, but it was originally meant and intended for this album, but they had to leave a few tracks off. So 
the release of this and the timing of this and the timing of pump up the volume like this was a, a musical zeitgeist for for me at this time this is when i was discovering everything and this is when everything about my musical taste was changing this was my introduction to the like my time in montreal is when i really blossomed musically and really fell in love with music and writing music and playing music and um everything that happened out of montreal led to immediately what happened after this when i moved back to winnipeg and joined my first band and and started writing music with someone else and really honing my craft thanks for joining us today i had a blast um if you got any comments if you're liking these episodes please share so let's end here we'll play one last song off this album i don't know what to play i think i awake we'll end with i awake anyway we'll see you guys on the flip side thanks for listening thanks for supporting the show um, thanks for the people that every time there's an episode release, it's automatically in their player. With a thank you specifically. And we'll see you guys on the flip side. Mm-hmm.